Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. Guys, this week, I read a story that I'd like to share with you. You go, oh, great story. It's about a school teacher, because school just started. It's about a school teacher who actually lost her life savings. She lost all of her life savings, all of her everything, on one of those business schemes. You guys know what I'm talking about? Those ones where, hey, hey, if you give us some money, you'll get rich and you'll be, you'll be well off. And it was one of those great, wonderful get rich quick, which had been elaborately explained by the swindler. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? And you guys know the saying, if it's too good to be true, it usually is. Well, this lady fell for it. Okay. And when she realized that all of her life savings was completely gone, her dreams were shattered. She decided at that point to go to the Better Business Bureau. So she goes to the Better Business Bureau, right? And the clerk, the person, looks at her and says, Why in the world did you not come to us first? Did you not know about the Better Business Bureau? Her reply, Oh, yes, the lady said sadly. I've always known about you. But I didn't come in first because I was afraid you'd tell me not to do it. I was afraid you would tell me not to do it. That was her reply. I sat there at the screen and I sat astonished. Why? Because I thought of the humans that we are and the foolishness of our human nature is that even though we know where the truth is, In God's word, right, we don't turn there. We don't turn there. Why? Much like the school teacher, guys, who lost her entire savings for fear of what it will say. That's why we don't go there. I really need wisdom. Show me you. It's in God's word. Oh, I don't want God's word. He's going to tell me not to do it. He's going to tell me I can't have fun. He's going to tell me God is a real downer. You know what I mean? This is exactly how it is, guys. Now, Jesus knows us so well. Can I get a good amen? He knows us so well. He comes on the scene. He goes, guys, you're running upside down. You're flying upside down. He says, and 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 we're right in the middle where he's teaching his disciples And last week, if you recall, he started out by what? Remember, he was teaching us not to judge our brothers and sisters with a harsh, condemning attitude. That's what he taught us. Now, you and I as disciples are going, wow. Now, if you were not here, you need to listen to the podcast. But if you were here, you remember the statement from that great theologian, Captain Jack Sparrow. Do you remember him? He said, the problem is not the problem. The problem is your attitude towards the problem, end quote. You go, what does that mean? Well, here's a problem, right? We looked at, guys, self-confrontation. Self-confrontation. In other words, we, it, it's a way of looking at ourselves 
first before we judge others, before we try to help others. The Lord said, hey, listen, I'm not telling you not to help your brother. What I'm telling you is look at you first. Take the plank, take the pole out of your eye, and then you'll be able to see clearly how to help your brother. Well, my brother's got a speck in his eye. The problem is, is I my brother's got a speck in his eye, okay? And I know I need to help him, but I can't because I've got a huge beam in my eye. And Jesus said, no, 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 Here, here's the point. Sometimes we have that attitude in condemning our brother. We don't look at our hearts. We don't look at where we've been. We don't look, right? And we go, hey, well, look at you. Well, shame on you. Blah, 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 blah. And, 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 and we have the attitude of condemning somebody. Come on, someone. We do it. We do it. We look down at people because they're not reading their Bible like us. We look down on people because they're not whatever it might be. This is where we are. It's self Confrontation. And that's where we left off last week. Well, I had you guys go ahead and turn to Matthew 24 because we need to understand exactly how this fits and how this is a critical time in our lives. Okay? We are heading for the ending real soon. And I mean that honestly. Okay. Well, Pastor Ben, you're just a pastor and you've got to say that stuff because you want us. No, no, no. I'm telling you the truth when I say you can call me chicken little if you want to, but I'm telling you the end is coming soon, which is exciting. It's exciting. Well, I, I, I want to get married someday. You are married. You're married to the Lord. Okay. I, I, I would like to. I get it, but but heaven is so much more better, so much better. It's coming. It might be today, Eva, that the graves open up and we and we're there, and we see our Savior face to face. And so Eva's going to we'll just worship. We'll just fall on our face and cry and worship. He's our Savior. He's our God. He's our king. That's what's happening. But I thought, wait a minute, wait a minute. I need to share just a little bit because there's some stuff happening in Matthew 24. Now, we'll get there later on and and, and, and really dissect it. But what I thought is, okay, since things are out of control, I did what I call an unofficial experiment, okay? I got on my computer. I went to the AP, basically, Associated Press website, and I just said, I want to see just the... The top stories of, of the world. What are the top stories Friday? What are, you go, what are they? Here's what I found. The very top story on the Associated Press. Now I know you go, well, you can't really trust that. Let me just, just bear with me, okay? Here's what it said. The war in Afghanistan, not worth fighting. Very top story. Now, there's a lot of us, those listening online, maybe those listening to the podcast will have no clue what's going on in Afghanistan. Why? Because they're trying to make ends meet. Are you kidding me? They're working. They've got to do, they don't, they're not worried about, about what's going on in the world. They're worried about feeding their family. But let me tell you guys, this is a huge puzzle piece in what God has told us in Ezekiel 38 and 39. China and Russia have already become BFF to find out what to do with Afghanistan. Afghanistan and all the little Kakistans and all that, they're part of the coalition that's going to attack 
Israel. Now, can I just wet your whistle for just a moment? Can I wet your whistle for just a moment? I, I started thinking, why in the world would Russia, because you guys, the word of God says that God's going to pull them into a war. Like they're not going to want to. God's going to get them with a hook and pull them in. And I thought, what would be that hook? We talked about it. We talked about oil. Could be a hook. Oil could be a hook. Israel, they found of oil. Okay. Food could be a hook. You realize that our world leader said if you control the food, you control the people. Okay? So you understand that. But what if a country is so powerful, so powerful that it makes a coalition, forces a coalition to actually attack someone who's weaker? Just want to wet your whistle. Think about that. Think about it. Someone who can field a 200 to 300 men army, what if they say, listen, you're going to go do this. You get, you get all of these people, you're going to do this. And they're actually leading the world. I don't know if anybody like that right now, but maybe you do. Maybe you do. But that's in, that's biblical. And I try telling people that reading the Bible is like reading the newspaper, guys. And it's exciting. It's exciting. What should we do? Can I just implore you and encourage you? <sighs> you know that unforgiveness that we have sometimes, that bitterness we have sometimes, the anger we have sometimes? Let it go. Let it go. Let it go, right? Just let it go. It's not worth it because the Lord's coming back soon. And we need to be ready. Well, what should we do? Tell our family we love them more. Don't walk out the door without kissing your little ones and hugging them and telling them you love them. Let's not, let's not continue in the same status quo that we have been going in our culture. Well, they go to school, they grow up. Da, da, da. Let's remember, okay, you know what? Mommy and Daddy love you every day. Mommy and Daddy are proud of you. That's what we need to do. Okay, so I get carried away. Let me give you number two. Number two, guys, here. Here's what it says. This is just on Friday. Number two, Biden pushes for more vaccine requirements. That's the second story. You go, wow, well, that's a good thing, right? Well, here's the problem. The problem is, is now all of a sudden we're being divided. And that's what the enemy wants to do. He wants to divide us. But the problem is, is not the vaccine. The problem is the requirements and the law that they want to put on us. The spirit of Antichrist is already in the world when they tell you that if you don't have a vaccine passport, you cannot buy or sell or enter or not. Guys, listen, that's not the mark in, in Revelation 13, but it is the spirit of what's going to happen in the world. This is what he's saying. I want to push more requirements. I wonder, is the day coming when we can't get on an airplane? Without a, without a passport, a vaccine passport. I wonder, is the day coming when we're going to need something like that to go into the grocery store? I wonder. I wonder. This is the news. Number three says this. The fourth COVID wave swamps stressed nurse corps. So now we're on a fourth wave. Guys, it's going to keep on coming. 
Here's what I say about COVID. You ready? I said it day one. I'll say it today. You respect the virus. You respect it, but don't live in fear. What does that mean? Wash your hands, wash your hands, wash your hands even more. Okay, take the protocol. If you've been around people and you're a little, go home, gargle with, with peroxide, put peroxide in, whatever you need to do, but respect it, but don't live in fear in it, guys. Don't live in fear. It's going to be around a while. It's going to be around a while. You are intelligent humans to make your own decision about your own health. Can I get an amen on that? Nobody needs to tell you. You can make your own decision. And sometimes we get sick. Our poor little Bethany got sick. I hate it. But God is bigger. We trust him. The fourth one on the list, guys, is grace hits Mexico, Henry threatens the Northeast. So now you have hurricanes coming in hard, pushing against that. Now, we've always had that, but you can see they're starting to intensify. The last but not least, here's what here's what's on the AP, immediate action needed on climate change. Climate change. Because on August 1st, we should have snow or some, I don't know, I'm not going to go there, but you guys know what I'm saying. This is, this is what they keep pushing us, the Build Back Better, the New Green Deal, all of these things. <sighs> this is what we deal with every day. Now, what Jesus did is he, he warns us what to look for before he returns, Okay. And that's where we pick up our story. Guys, Matthew 24, I want to just share real quick with you because it'll tie into Matthew 7. Matthew 24, picking it up in verse 3, it says, Now Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives, and the disciples came to him privately, saying... Now, let me get your attention. We are disciples, so we come to Jesus. He's on the Mount of Olives. Here's what he's going to say. Here's what they say. They go, "Um, Lord, tell us when these things will be. What will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? If your attention, please, he asked three questions. The disciples asked three questions to the Lord, right? Now, here's what I love about this, guys. If Scripture is true and we believe it, we can ask the Lord questions. We often have, oh, I don't, just ask, Lord, what's going on? Lord, give me direction. Lord, what's happening here? They ask him questions. What do they ask him? They ask him, when will these things be? Now, in this discourse, guys, Jesus doesn't answer that question. He doesn't say anything. So they say, what will be the sign of your coming? In verses 29 through 31, he answers that, guys, but he's going to talk about the second coming, not the hard podzo, not the rapture, the second coming. And then the third, he says, what will be the sign of the end of the age? Now, Jesus goes, okay, let's speak of the ends of the age. Verse 4, and this is where we are right now. This is where we are. You guys ready? It says, and Jesus answered and said to us. I know it says to them, but he's talking to us. He says, take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will deceive many. What's the first thing the Lord tells us? He says, hey, you ready? Don't let anyone deceive you. Listen up. Take heed. 
Guys, many are going to come in my name saying I am the Christ. Now, when I was studying this morning, something jumped out at me. Ever happened to you before? Something happened to me. Okay? If people are coming around saying I am the Christ, who is the Christ to us? He's our Savior. He's our Lord. Right? And so many are going to come, maybe not so much in the name of Christ, but they're going to come as a Savior to our world. Just an opinion, not in the text, but think about that. Many are going to come to deceive us saying, you need saving. You're a mess. The world's a mess. Do this so you can be saved. I thought, wow, that just jumped out at me. But Jesus saying, there's going to be a lot coming in my name. There's going to be a lot coming in my name. And here's what they're going to do. They're going to deceive many. From the very beginning, Jesus warns the disciples, guys, that many will be deceived as they wait for his return. There have been times in the history of the church when rash predictions were made and relied on and resulted in tremendous disappointment, disillusionment, and a falling of the way. How so? Well, let me tell you when Jesus is going to come back. It's going to come back April 24th, da-da-da-da-da. And everybody's like, oh, this guy's got credibility. And we wait till April 24th, nothing happens, and guess what happens to the church? They're the laughingstock. <laughs> oh, you Christians, you did it again. Yeah. Oh, you're still here. And and again, what happens is it, 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 it that's what we do. We've had many people step step up and think they're Jesus. I'm I'm the Son of God and, and lead millions astray. That blows my mind. That blows my mind. I don't know how they do it, because I can't even get my little dog to obey, much less millions of people. I don't know how they do it. Stay. But he says that many are going to come and deceive. And you go, that word deceive, guys, here's what I want you to do. Go ahead and circle it right next to it. Put it's a verb, which means it's an action word. And it means this, to lead astray or frustrate by underhandedness. That's what it means to deceive. It's like the advertising that deceives the public. That's what it means. Right? Hey, look at this. Look at this. We're looking for a digital board for our sound booth. They run anywhere from a thousand to two thousand dollars. Okay? This is digital. Nice board. On Facebook, there was an ad for a digital board for 85 bucks. Yeah, I bought it. No, you know what I'm saying? If it's too good to be true, it probably is, right? Oh, well, we're overstocked. I'm going, you're not going to sell me a $2,000 board for 85 bucks. I get it. But that's what deceiving is. That's what deceiving is. Now, this is what he says. There's an action. They're coming out to deceive you. Jesus says, hey, don't let anyone deceive you. Now, let me just say this. A huge sign for the return of the Lord is that you and I as disciples won't be deceived. We won't be deceived. Jesus is going to go on and he's going to talk about earthquakes. He's going to go on and talk about famines, right? Can I tell you right now, you are in a famine. You go, no, we're not. I have food in my refrigerator. I went there this morning. I said, hey, baby, what do you want? Eggs, bacon, what do you want? No, 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 no. Listen to me. 
listen to me. If you go to grocery shopping tomorrow, there are certain things that were on the shelf that are not on the shelf anymore. And you ask them, hey, where's the spaghetti? Oh, we're waiting for a truck. Thank you, Eva. We're waiting for a truck. We're waiting for a whatever it might be. Because there's a famine. And a famine doesn't necessarily say there isn't no food. It means we can't get it to you. There's not enough workers. There's not. A, you guys know that, right? How many times have you gone to a restaurant and they said, please bear with us, we're short-staffed. So you sit there and you wait for your hamburger for 45 minutes because they're short-staffed. They have one cook in the back going crazy, trying to make, and it's like, wow. But I've gone to the grocery store, and I've looked for Powerade. Where's all the Powerade? Do you have any power? Well, the truck doesn't come in until 3. We're not sure if we'll have it. You guys, it's a ripple effect. But the point I want to make is you need to understand we are in the famine, and it's not going to get better. It's not going to get better. We have set a system up where people don't have to work. They make more money sitting at home. And they're not going to work. You know who's working? You know who's working? Tell me who's working. The children. The young kids, because they don't have any, they don't have any benefits yet. So they're like, well, they're not paying me. I don't have any benefits. So, but those of us who have been, had some credit in there, and those of us who have some, some, uh, worked for a job, we go get it. We go get it. And that's stopping. And then those who want to work, they're not hiring. We're in a famine. Jesus talked about that. I'll let you play. I'll let you talk about it when you go to lunch. He's like, yeah, you know what? We really are. We really are. But the biggest thing we see right now, jot this down, is we're being deceived. He doesn't want us to be deceived. Okay? There's two. Two biggest signs he's going to tell us not to be. He's going to say, first of all, watch out for false teachers. That's the first one. And the second one is don't be, guys, don't have a self-deception. Don't deceive yourself. Very, very careful. Now, let me see if you're paying attention. Who is Jesus talking to? Us, right? We're disciples. We're disciples. So, he, so, so, okay, so Jesus is saying that. Now, let's talk a little bit about false teachers, okay, and false prophets. We see that they're everywhere, okay? And we need to be careful because a lot of false teachers will come speaking half-truths, half-truths, Okay? And a lie mixed with Scripture is still a lie, and it's meant to deceive and to let astray. So many people, okay, so many pastors, you need to be careful, okay? And you guys need to be like the Bereans. Don't take everything I say as solid gold. You check it out, make sure. Now, I'm not going to stand before a holy God and go, well, I try to lead him to stray. You know, Lord, I saw too many blue chairs. I was really wanting people, so I started, I started pandering the crowd so we could grow. No, 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 no. I've got to teach the word. I'm not going to stand before a holy God. Maybe you will. I'm not going to. I'm going to teach the Bible as best I can. And let me say this to you. I'm still learning. I'm still learning. I learned something new yesterday with Chris. I didn't know it. I didn't know it. I was like, oh. Wow, okay, cool. Cool. I need to share that. I need to share that. I didn't know this. I didn't know it. There's too much, guys, on the television and on the radio and podcasts. And again, I'm passionate about this. 
passionate about this. You go, why? Because you guys know this, right? If you take verse or verses out of context, it becomes a pretext. You go, Ben, what's, what's really a pretext? Ready? Something serving to conceal plans. An artful or simulated semblance. So if I make it a pretext, I can make it say anything I want it to say. We have to be careful, guys, because somebody can put the Bible in your face and go, read this. Ah, look what this verse says. How come you're not giving money? How come you're not doing this? How come you're not doing that? How come you're not? And, and no, 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 no. How, how many of you can help me? We, we, we have something called the 2020 rule. For those of you who don't know, 2020 rule means in any time you're listening to a preacher and he's taking one verse, what's the, what's the rule? 20 verses before it, 20 verses after it, so you get the context, you get the full meaning. Okay? That's what you need to do. Because anybody on television can get up and go, praise God, I'm going to have one verse. And it's, they'll usually, oh, it's it just so frustrating. I don't know if you've seen it. But it's so frustrating because they make the verse make you feel what wasn't intended that God wanted you to feel. Are you guys tracking with me? Do you remember the little, do you remember the little old lady who gave, who gave, right? Do you remember the little lady and, and the Lord was watching her and she goes, she put in two pennies. I'm going to paraphrase this, okay? She came in and she put in two pennies and Jesus said, look at the old lady. She gave all she had, two pennies. Everybody takes that verse and says, man, you need to give, you need to give all you have. You need to just look at this, be like this poor old lady. But do you realize this lady in the corrupt system of the Pharisees that she felt compelled to give all she had? That's not what God intends for us. God says, listen, when you give, you give what I tell you to give. If you can give more, give more. But please don't ever feel compelled by the church or the religious system or whatever it is to be strong-armed into giving what you can't give. Because what should have happened? The religious people of the day should have went to this poor widow and said, let us take care of you. We'll take care of that. Let us buy you groceries. Let us do this. How dare some of these pastors and televangelists focus on widows and old folks and everyone for money. That's not the church. That's not the church. The promise of blessings and riches. I mean, and again, we see that, guys, and, and he's saying these are going to be out there. These are going to be out there. So what should we do? Well, this is why we're so passionate about expository Bible teaching. Verse by verse, exegetically. What does that mean? That means this keeps us safe from all the false teachers. Because you will learn. Knowledge will begin to transform your heart. And then when you hear something and you go, oh, it's that spirit going, I don't think that's right. I don't think that's right. I'm not sure. And then you go read it and you go, oh, no, 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 no. They've taken that verse way out of context. Way out of context. We've got to be so careful. Because Paul tells us in the Word of God, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things. Really? Does that mean you can fly? 
I can do all things. Guess what's going to happen? Gravity. Well, I thought I can do it. No, you're taking the verse out of context. What he's saying is I'm content in whatever situation I'm in. I can do all things. I can be content. I know how to, I know how to have a lot and I know how to have a little. My eyes are on Jesus. So, my warning to you. My warning to you. So, studying the Bible verse by verse in the context it's supposed to be in, will keep us from false teaching. You guys get that, right? Now, the problem is is that is that what happens is that when you're involved in a church that teaches expositionally, it ruins you for other churches. I'm just going to tell you right off the bat. You go, what do you mean? Well, then you go to some of these topicals and you're like, oh, I just really missed the verse. I want to know what happens next week. I want to know the whole, I want to know, um, but it keeps us safe. Because all of a sudden, when there's heretical teachers, you go, no, 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 that's wrong. That's false. It's false. Well, what about two? You go, what do you mean? Well, what about, guys, our self-deception? We know to stay away from false teachers. We got the word. But what about false deception? You go, well, I'm not sure what you mean. Well, how do we deceive ourselves? How do we deceive ourselves? Well, I want you to note the difference between conversion and transformation. There's a huge difference. We want converts. We want converts. You know what? I want people that are transformed from the inside out. And that's the difference. Why? Because if here's the thing, guys. We can become so good with Christian language and we can believe wrong doctrines and we can obey rules without learning. There's a lot of people who can do that. Okay. And so we have to be careful with not just become, oh, well, I started going to church, I felt converted, and so I have to speak the way they speak. I've learned how to speak that, right? I learned how to speak that at 17. I got saved, but I wasn't, the Lord was still working, but I knew how to say, God bless you, sister. I learned words like hallelujah, amen. We learn these things. But transformation comes when that's just a big part of your heart. And when God does something, so amazing. Or when you see a beautiful sunrise, you go, oh, praise the Lord. And it's not something that you have to muster up. It's just. Or something happens, Chris, you go, thank you, Jesus. Oh, where did that come from? Ah, yeah, that's cool. That's cool. So I've entitled today's message, guys. Be careful. Be careful. It's an admonition of self-deception. Be careful. Because today we're going to learn that there are many false teachers out there, many false pastors in the world, and they're trying to deceive us. And since there's so many false prophets in the world, we have to be careful they don't deceive us. We have to be careful with self-deception. Okay? Why? Because the greatest danger really is self-deception. That's the greatest danger. Think about it. The lady said, I didn't come in. Because I was afraid you'd tell me not to do it. Think about it. Mr. Webster defines self-deception as this, the act of deceiving oneself that is favorable to the person. That's what Mr. Webster says, okay? The act of deceiving oneself. Let me give you an example. This is. Let's go way back in the archives. How many of you remember a woman by the name of Jessica Hahn? Some of you will remember. Some of you have no clue who she is. Jessica Hahn, if you recall, was a former member 
She was the former secretary who committed immoral acts with Jim Baker. Okay, He used to be the host of PTL Club back in the day. Now, what happens is that she later brought down the whole PTL empire, and this happened way back in 1987. But what she did at that point, if you remember, is that she actually posed nude, topless for Playboy right after that. Okay? And here's what she says. She says, when it comes to the Playboy magazine and and posing topless, she said, God gave her a real peace about doing that. Okay? Listen, on September 29, 1987, the news report said this, that she, after doing all of this, still considers herself a Christian. She still considers herself a Christian. But God gave her, but but she goes to God, ready? One-on-one, not through any church or any organization. This is what she said. Now, I bring this up not to point fingers at Jessica Hahn, but to say this is an example of self-deception. Guys, the Bible is clear when he says, don't forsake the assembling of the brethren. What does that mean? Come to church. We need you. We need each other. This is how God made us. We've got to see your smiling face. This is what makes our day. Right? Rosa comes in. Pastor Ben, give me a... That's what church is about. I was talking to Ricky. I said, Ricky, don't think we have it together in here. We're all a mess. Right? We're a bunch of misfits in church. Don't think, oh, man, all these people have together and I'm a mess. Don't think that. And that's why he sur- we surround each other and go, hey, man, how you doing? I'm a mess. I know. Let me help you. Hey, how you doing? Oh, I, this has not been a good season for me. Oh, bro, let me walk with you in this. We're all a mess. We're all a stinking mess. But we don't want to be self-deceived. We don't want to self Why? Because in the text, remember, we're talking to his disciples, but the Pharisees and the, and the Sadducees, they're, they're close by, okay? The, the scribes and the Pharisees. But they had fooled themselves into believing they were righteous while others were sinful. That's what they had did, okay? So here's my question. Here's what I want you to think about. How can the elite religious leaders of the day fool themselves into thinking they were right and sinless while everybody else was sinless? I mean, was, was sinful. I am sinless and righteous, and the rest of you, well, you're very questionable. How do they do that? How do, right? You know how? Guys, listen to me. It's, it's possible for people to know the right language, believe intellectually the right doctrines, obey the right rules, and not be saved. You know what we call it? We call it behavior modification. We modify our behavior to look and act like a Christian, but deep inside we haven't been transformed. That's important. That's important, okay? This is how they were doing it. This is exactly. Jesus, guys, Jesus comes in and he says, let me give you two pictures on how to help judge others 
right? And how to judge ourselves, okay? Our judgment of ourselves is meant for us to examine ourselves to make sure we're in our faith. This is what he says. Let me just make sure you're in the faith. Now, it'd be one thing to me if he was talking to the Pharisees. Hey, you guys need to make sure you're in the faith. But he's talking to us disciples because he wants to make sure that we're not deceived. That we somehow just modified our behavior, but we haven't been transformed from the inside out. That's what Christianity is. It's being born again. Christianity is allowing the Lord to do that amazing work in you, and then and then your behavior is natural from that. And he never says, yeah, you need to be perfect. Linda, you need to be perfect. You need to not do this. You need to not do that. You need to do this. You've got to look like this. You've got to go out and buy dresses. You've got to, do not, you've got to not have dresses. You've got to have shoes. You've got to do... He says none of that. He says, follow me. And I'll change. It'll change. I'll change. And some sins are stubborn more than others. I didn't get an amen on that, did I? Let me try this again. Some sins are more stubborn than others, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, like, amen. I'm not going to say, amen. Guys, listen, when I got saved, I quit smoking. It was easy. You go, smoking is not a sin. Let me just use that illustration, okay? You go, why would you use that? Because I never smoked before. Was it easy to quit? Absolutely. Why? Because I never did. I never did. What did you do? I don't smoke. I didn't chew. I didn't go with girls who did, right? So, I mean, it was good. It was good. It was good. But other sins were really, really, oh. They hold on to me. Lord, Lord. Lord, help me. Help me, Lord. Help me to examine my heart and get rid of those things. You go, what are they? Well, that's where we pick it up, okay? That's where we pick it up. Now, don't panic, okay? Because you're going, he's barely starting now. Oh, don't panic. We're going to move fast. <laughs> Verse 13, you guys ready? Jesus looks at us as disciples and he says, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. Guys, look what he's saying. He says, guys, you could enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. That's what he says. That's what he says. He's saying there's two gates, guys. There's two gates. There's two roads. Which one are you on? Hey, by the way, as disciples, you need to be looking for the narrow gate. The narrow gate. He goes, because the wide gate... It's broad. It's huge. And um, if you follow that way, it's destruction. And a lot of people are following that. Aren't we like that as human beings? Don't we not follow the crowd? Come on, guys. Right? If you have no clue where to go, what's you, what do you do? You follow the crowd. Well, everybody's going this way. Is that, is that where I'm supposed to go? <laughs> right? You'll go stand in line. You have no idea what the line is for. I think this is it. Hey, what's this line for? Oh, that's not the line I'm supposed to be in. Sorry. We'll follow that. But that's what Jesus knows us. Jesus knows the whole, every, and we think the majority's right. So we'll go, hey, everybody's going this way. It must be right. That's not God. God says, listen, follow the narrow. Follow the narrow. This is what it is. The broad gate, guys, 
Those are self-deceived. Those are self-deceived. Elaborating, if you recall, on the golden rule, Jesus presented the clear way of access into righteousness. How so? He says the righteousness he demanded does not come through the wide gate and the broad road. He says righteousness comes through the small gate and the narrow road. Now, why is Jesus telling us? Well, look at verse 14. Because he's going to tell us the reason, right? Why, Lord? He says, because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. Few. There are few who find it. Guys, understand what Jesus said is the gate that we're supposed to walk through and the road we're supposed to be on is going to be narrow and difficult, which is a complete contradiction to a prosperity gospel message. It really is. And I love you enough to tell you guys the road that you need to be on is going to be difficult. It's going to be hard. It's not going to be paved. It's not going to be four lanes. Paved, taco trucks on the side, fruit stands, all that good stuff. It's not, it's going to be hard. And he says, very few really find it. Very few really find it. And so we have to ask ourselves this question, guys. As disciples, if the road we're on has a gate that is easy and well-traveled, we have to stop and we have to do a heart check and say, Lord, am I on the right road? Am I on the right road? Am I on the right road? Guys, listen, listen. Why do I tell you this? Okay? Well, Ben, we want one of those churches that brings inspiration and you should encourage us. And But listen, here's the thing. It would kill me to know that some people are convinced that they're walking on the narrow road and they somehow deceive themselves. But I'm not sure what you mean. Well, look at this verse with me, okay? I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation, but nonetheless, look what it says. It's a little bit easier to read. He says, enter by the narrow... Oh, no, go to verse 21. Matthew seven twenty-one. See if it's up there. Okay, notice what he says. Not everyone who calls out to me, what does that say? Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. You got that? Not everyone who calls out to me, right? On judgment day, notice what it says, verse 22, Many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name. Lord, we cast out demons in your name. We perform miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's law. You guys see that? Now, listen to me. I wish this verse was never in the Bible. Because there are going to be many people and they'll call out to him and say, Lord, Lord. Didn't we do this in your name? Didn't we do that in your name? And he says, I didn't know you. I didn't know you. As much as I love your service to me, as much as I love that, I love 
knowing you more. And I love you knowing me more. Why? 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 I'll tell you why, guys. Because when you know Jesus, a natural response is to serve him. It's natural. When you know Jesus, you go, hey, I'll do it. I'll do it. We weren't just doing it out of, hey, listen, listen, Pastor Ben said he needed somebody to pass out bulletins. Well, I guess I'll do it. And, And Lord, didn't I pass out bulletins in your name? I did it faithfully for 20 years. I passed out bulletins. I mean, come on, Lord, this is what I'm doing. He goes, no, 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 no. I want to know you. I don't know you. I don't know you. Now, we're going to study this more in depth next week. Okay? So bring your friends. <laughs> but uh, it's very weighty. It's very weighty. And I wish it wasn't in here, but let's, let's go back to verse 15. Okay? Matthew seven fifteen. He says, Now, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but in, in, inwardly they are what? Ravenous wolves. He said, be careful. Okay? Be careful. This is he's telling us. Why? There are many who would try to guide us along the path that leads to destruction. Be careful. Be careful. When asked people why they chose a church, why would you pick this church? Why would you pick that? Whatever church it might be. Do you know what the number one answer was? It wasn't that, hey, they taught the Bible It wasn't that they taught the Word of God. You know what it was? Well, they had programs for my kids. Or they had this and this going on. Or they had great donuts. Or a wonderful coffee shop. No, I'm not kidding. If we were to find a church and look for a church, it should always be, hey, they taught the Word of God. They taught the Bible because that's what's going to be my foundation. They taught the Bible. And there was stuff I didn't want to hear. Come on, somebody. I didn't want to hear but he taught it faithfully. And like medicine, sometimes I don't want it. Sometimes medicine tastes bad, but I know it's going to work. Okay? Sometimes medicine tastes bad, but I know it's going to work. And so the point is, is really simple. What's that? <sighs> I want the Word of God. Paul says, I have not shunned to what? To give you the whole counsel. I want you guys to know the whole counsel. You see, being a pastor is much more than, well, I taught a Bible study, boom. It's it's living and dying with you guys. It's crying with you when when life happens, and it's laughing when, when there's good stuff. It's rejoicing with you. But it's more, but it's the Word of God. Why? Because he says, because many are going to come looking like a sheep. Many are going to come. He says, but inwardly, they're ravenous. This is what Jesus said, right? The entire nature of these false prophets is to deceive and deny the true character. Often they deceive themselves. Uh, basically, they first deceive themselves, believing themselves to be a sheep, when in fact, they're actually ravenous wolves. How many of you know Larry King died? Anybody know Larry King died? So a few of us know Larry King died, right? Yeah. You realize that, that Larry King had interviewed Joel Olstein several times. And I thought about this. This is me, my opinion only. I thought, wherever Larry King is now, 
It depended on, think about it. Even if Larry King said, no, I don't, I don't want your gospel. I don't want, there's still responsibility. But there are pastors out there and leaders that don't want to, don't want to offend people. And Jesus just looked at his disciples and said, guys, there's going to be some false prophets that are, that are wolves, that are wolves. And so the question is, how do we recognize this false teacher? Well, Jesus gives us the answer. Isn't that cool? How so? Look at verse 16. He says, you will know them by their fruits. He says, do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every what good tree bears good fruit and a bad tree bears bad fruit. Here's why. Listen, verse 18. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit and nor a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Verse 20, therefore, by their fruits, you will know them. By their fruits, you will know them. Okay, so what's he saying? This is how we guard ourselves, guys. Guard ourselves against the false teachings by what? By watching the fruit of these guys. Guard ourselves. You have to guard yourself. What does that mean? You ready? It means paying attention to the aspects of their life and ministry. You go, Ben, you just, you're just putting yourself up there. I am. You ready? Here's what we should pay attention. We should pay attention to the manner of living a teacher shows. You go, what do you mean? Do they live righteous? Do they walk in humility? Are they faithful in the way they live? That's the first thing we need to pay attention to. Now, that's super hard when you're watching them on TV. That's super hard. But as a pastor, hey, let me check your life. Let me check your life. Are you walking in human? Are you walking in righteous? Guys, that's why I, as your pastor, have to be so careful I have to be very, very careful because I don't want any sheep to stumble. And I have to guard my heart at times. You go, what else should we look for? Well, if we're going to inspect fruit, here's the second question. We should pay attention to the content of their teaching. You go, what do you mean? Is it true fruit from God's word? Or is it man-centered appealing to the ears that want to be tickled. Church, I'm going to be honest with you. From time to time, it gets discouraging when you don't see the church fill up. And it's, and it's well, maybe I should, maybe I should do series. Maybe I should... Maybe if, if I wasn't just teaching the Bible, maybe people would come or like to stay or that. And, 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 and again, but, but think about this, guys. I cannot teach a, a man-centered appealing to be, to, for people, their ears to be tickled. It has to be the fruit of God's word. And the fruit of God's word in this will match with your heart. And you go, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Ooh, I can't believe he said repent. 
Oh, I can't believe he said, he said hell. Oh, I can't believe he taught on sin. Oh, guys, these are teachings that, that are not popular in the church today. Because, because people want to, they, 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 I get it. I get it. But see, love is telling you what the truth in love. To speak the truth in love. What's the third thing we should watch? We should pay attention to the effect of their teaching. What do you mean? Are people growing in Jesus or are they merely being entertained and eventually falling away? That's what's key. That's what's key, guys. Are you growing? Are you growing? This is what he's, and again, this is what we need to pay attention to. Hey, that guy I listen to, are people growing in his church? You guys know. I listen to Radio by Grace all day long. There are certain teachers right now, listen, I fluctuate. There, there are like, there's some guys I'm like, oh, that's, and then, and then, and then there's other guys, and, and right now, there's one guy that I really like. He just really ministers to my heart, but I listen to all of them. I listen to all of them. And I grow from all of them. But that's what we need to look at. We need to look at. What do we want to do? What do we want to do with our money? What do we want to do with the church? Guys, we want the gospel to go out. We want to go out radio by grace. We want all of Lubbock, Texas. We want all of, we want the gospel to go out. A man-centered ministry would go, listen, you guys need to pay your tithe. You need to give more because I need. I need an airplane to travel around and, and I need. And I, no, 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 no. Listen. We want the gospel to go out. We've got to get the gospel out. People need to hear it. They've got to hear it. Lives need to be changed. God's coming back soon. So as we close, I told you it wasn't going to be long. As we closed, here's, here's the point, guys. Don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. Someone once said, listen to this quote. You ready? If you're going to place poison on the shelf where you have healing medicines, you better label it clearly. End quote. Paul said it like this. 2 Corinthians 13.5 says this. Test yourselves to make sure you are solid in the faith. Don't drift along, or don't drift along taking everything for granted. Give yourselves regular checkups. You need firsthand evidence, not mere hearsay, that Jesus Christ is in you. Test it out. If you fail the test, then do something about it. What a great, great way to end the Bible study, right? What does he say? He says, guys, test yourselves. Make sure, Lord, where am I? Am I saved? Am I really saved? Lord, am I saved? Okay. If I'm not, he says, do something about it. What does that mean? Surrender today. Go, hey, today. Today. I'm going to give you an opportunity in just a minute to surrender your life to God, to say yes to him. Okay? The rest of us can test ourselves. You go, well, Ben, listen, we, I've, I've, been, I've been walking. Oh, hey, don't worry about it. Today's the day. Today's the day to recommit your life to God, to say yes to him.
Would you bow your heads with me? Father, we thank you today for your word and the truth in your word and how much we love you, God. And so, God, even now, we pray that your Holy Spirit would move. Lord, it's not about us. It's not about growing a church. It's not about membership. God, it's about people getting saved. It's about people being invited into the family of God. It's for all of us to test our hearts. Are we saved? I don't want to be deceived. I want to make sure that I'm in the, I'm in the family. So, Lord, may your Holy Spirit do that work. May the people remember the anointed parts that you want them to remember, the teaching of your Holy Spirit. So with every eye closed and every head bowed, those of you watching online, I'm not sure who's watching, but maybe today God is speaking to you. And here's the reality. You're not sure. You're not sure if you're really saved. You're not sure you're in the family. And so what happened is that during the teaching, you sort of realized, hey, man, you know what? Pastor's saying some stuff. I'm not sure if I'm really saved. I don't know what to do. As a matter of fact, Pastor, if I'm being honest, I feel like I'm a million miles away from God right now. I haven't prayed in a long time. I haven't read my Bible. I've sort of been going through the motions. God knows. God knows. And he loves you desperately. And he says, if you'll open up your heart today, I will come inside. And we'll eat together, and I'll walk with you, and I'll love you. And you'll be my kid. You'll be my child. And you'll be with me forever. So with every eye closed and every head bowed, how many of you would say, Pastor Ben, pray for me. I want to give my life to God. I want to completely surrender all of it right now to him. If that's you and God is speaking to your heart, remember, it's just between you and the Lord. No one's going to see. Everybody's going to just put their head down and pray. But this is, this is you. And you go, well, Ben, why do I have to raise my hand? I want God to see your heart. I want him to see that you're serious and that you really want to follow him. So if that's you, would you just lift up your hand right now and say, Pastor Ben, pray for me. I want Jesus. I surrender completely to him right now. Would you just lift up your hand so I can see you? Maybe God is speaking to you. Maybe you just you have to recommit your life to God today. You say, God, please. Remember, we don't want anybody to be, God bless you, brother. I see you, Ricky. We don't want anyone to be self-deceived. We don't want anyone to go, hey, you know what? I think I'm in the faith. If you, if you are doubting at all, just today's your day. Between you and God, just lift up your hand and say, Pastor, me, me. I'm going to pray with you. I'm going to pray with you. If you're watching online, do the same thing. God sees you. I can't see you, but God sees you. Just lift up your hand and say, pray with me. Lord, I pray that you would test us, that we would be saved. God, we believe with all of our heart, God. We've made some mistakes, but we believe. And we believe that you are the Christ. You are the Son of God. And I don't want to be deceived, so guard my heart. We believe that you died on the cross for us. You died for me, personally. We believe, Lord, that you rose again on the third day. And we believe that you're coming back for us soon. But while we're here, Lord, I need help. And the help is, I need you to come into my heart. I need you to, 
I need you to save me. I want to join the family of God once and for all. So please come into my heart and be my Lord. I give you all. Be my God. I will follow you. Lord, be my friend. From this day, I choose to follow you, Jesus. For forever, I'm yours. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, we believe in the authority of Scripture that says you are saved. You're saved, and we want to walk with you, and we want to guide you. We love you. We love you. We love you at Calvary. We're glad you're here. Come back next week. Come back Wednesday. We just love you. We'll love on you. We'll get to know you. God's going to do a great work in your lives. Amen. God bless you. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.